Welcome everybody to The Foyer, the podcast where we have conversations about Mormon history and culture. I'm your host, Patrick Mason. I'm a professor here at Utah State University, and I am glad to have you join us for this episode. The Foyer is a production of the Leonard J. Arrington Chair of Mormon History and Culture, Religious Studies Program, and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences at Utah State University. You can listen to this and other episodes on the USU Religious Studies website or subscribe to the podcast on Spotify. Now, I'm excited about all of the guests that I bring onto the foyer, but for all of their brilliance, I don't think any of the others can claim to have performed in front of sold out stadiums across six continents. Brandon Flowers might be the most famous Mormon in the world, or, or at least uh, maybe he's got stiff competition from Mitt Romney, especially after this past week, but he's up there. <laughs> Uh, in case you've been on another planet for the past two decades, or like my mom, only listening to classical music while telling her sons that rock and roll will fry your brains, Brandon Flowers is, the best, is best known as the lead singer of the band The Killers, one of the most popular rock bands in the 21st century. They've sold more than 28 million albums worldwide. Their newest album, Imploding the Mirage, was released during the middle of the pandemic, and it was just named in a Billboard fans poll, the number one rock album of 2020. In addition to his work with the Killers, Brandon also has a couple of great solo albums. He grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, and Nephi, Utah, uh, very similar places, right, Brandon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As the, he's the youngest of six children and a lifelong member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, Brandon normally hangs out with the likes of Bruce Springsteen and Bono and Elton John. So uh, let's just say that this nerdy religious studies professor uh, is feeling a little bit out of my league. But um, Brandon, thank you for joining us and, and welcome to the foyer. Oh, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Thanks. It's my pleasure. And, and obviously, we got lots of people listening in today. So here's the way it's going to work today, folks. So Brandon and I are, are, are going to have a chat uh, for probably a half hour or so, uh, something like that. And then we're going to open it up to questions from the audience. We already see that people are using the, the, the chat uh, box, which is awesome. Go ahead and keep using that and chat with one another. Obviously, we just ask that people keep it uh, respectful uh, with one another and positive. Um, at once Brandon and I have had a chance to chat for a little bit, then we're going to take your questions. So Brandon, so a, a few years ago, uh, the Pew Forum, which, which does these big, huge studies of religion in the United States, they did a big national survey a few years ago in which they called thousands of people and they said, okay, what do you, what do you think of when we say the word Mormon? Like, what's, what's your first association? And people gave lots of different answers. And, but I don't think that rock star was on the list uh, in terms of people's first association. So, so when did you figure out, like I said, you grew up uh, in, in the church and, and you grew up as a Mormon, but when did you figure out that you could be both a rock star and a practicing and believing Mormon, that you, did, that you didn't have to choose one or the other? Yeah, it was something that I struggled with in the beginning, for sure. I was young when we when we kind of took off. I, I, I was also, you know, going back to, you know, the age when when most uh, young men or were, you know, asked or, you know, almost expected to be going on a mission uh, when they're 19. That was that like was age 19, you know. Yeah, that was when I I bought this album 
called Hunky Dory by David Bowie. And for some reason, it just, I latched onto it. And I was like, this, I want to do this. Um, which is kind of, it's insane because it's like this masterful album. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it, it, was a, it was a high bar to be reaching for. But for some reason, that was the thing that, that really took me uh, out of commission from, you know, from going on a mission. And then it was very, very quick, um, you know, the rise for us. We were re really lucky. Some people grind it out and, you know, in, a, in, a, in minivans and, and, you know, for years before they make it or never make it. And, and we were so lucky. We had this kind of instant uh, success. And it was, it, was, um, it was incredible. But, yeah, I found myself starting around then you know the you know the first album was was massive and and i started to sort of you know develop a little bit of a of a savior complex myself and which is only I, natural right you're standing yeah. in front of like tens of thousands of people right selling millions yeah, of albums and just thinking oh yeah i write i this is what happens when i when i do this <laughs> when i write these songs <laughs> and um and so that's where it starts to change because I don't have a, a, a typical career arc. Most people would have said, okay, that worked. Um, let's do that again. And that was where I had this kind of uh, a shift happen where, you know, I was, I have a brother that that's 12 years older than me. And so he handed down all of his music to me. Um, and it was, it was basically alternative and new way from the eighties. Um, and that was, you know, a lot of, a lot, I drew a lot from a lot of that for the, for the first album. And you don't always associate that, that era of music with debauchery and rock and roll and excess, but it really actually was pretty much in line with, with, with all of that. Um, the flood. Who, who produced our second record, you know, he said he worked with, he, he did Violator and, and Ultra for Depeche Mode. And, you know, he said they're the most rock and roll band that he had ever worked with. And, you know, there's infamous stories that they've gone, you know, overdosing and dying. And, and so there was all of this, all of this, this stuff that was attached to that, even bands like Duran Duran and, 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 and I, and it made, it almost made it, David Bowie again, going back to David Bowie, you start to question your authenticity, um, like because that seems like that's their ticket and that's their um, almost gives them permission to be who they are because of that lifestyle. And I knew, um, I knew it was it was there was a tug of war happening because I wanted to I wanted to be authentic and I wanted to, I wanted my name up with those people, um, but something um, kind of monumental happened to me you know when i was at home shortly after the success of that first album i fell in love with american music and it was interesting it was like it was just came out of nowhere um all of a sudden i heard bruce springsteen on classic rock radio station in henderson nevada and it spoke to me you know this was like this was like it's a 180 from Morrissey or whoever it was that I was listening yeah, right, to before. Right. <laughs> and it was, and I, and I was confused by it almost, but there was something, and there still is something almost righteous about Bruce Springsteen. And he gave me access to stories 
that were that were authentic to me because I grew up, you know, in America and I grew up in a little town in Utah and I spent time in, in you know, in Las Vegas, you know, grew up in Las Vegas and Utah, both of these, both of these towns. And it was, so I started to see a different path and that was a huge deal for me in my life. Like, I mean, I, I don't know where I would have ended up. I did. I feel like I, I use the term rock and roll casualty. I feel like I would have been a rock and roll casualty if I would not have, have kind of started latching onto these other influences. Yeah. Uh, so interesting. So, so, I mean, what, what is it? I mean, could we hear about this all the time, like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of this package deal. And um, I mean, I can't think of a ton of other big time artists who are explicitly and openly religious, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that a lot of religious themes in their songs, right? Sure. I, mean, I think people draw on that. I mean, it's, it's just such powerful imagery and so forth, but like who are, personally especially in the rock and roll world maybe a little bit like in the country music and of course there's the whole christian music scene and all that but yeah. within rock alternative pop you know i mean all those kinds of things so what is it is is it because i mean is it really just a hedonistic lifestyle mm -hmm. or is it that the, something about the kind of artistic sensibility that, that you don't like organize you know not you but but like the, the artists you know mm -hmm. don't like that they feel like organized religion is is too much of a straight jacket what, what do you think it is I think a big a big part of the appeal of when you're starting out, um, you know, the the cliche answer is always like, oh, I started a band to get girls or whatever. But I don't. I think that's always just for a quick little laugh. But I think it's. I think a big a big part of it is to to not conform and to not have to have the the life that your dad had or whatever it is. You know, yeah. to give to break away from that. And so that goes with with just the life that you're choosing to live in, it definitely doesn't seem to jive with um, organized religion. There aren't a lot of people that are really open about it. There may be some closet Christians. I always go to the heavy hitters when I think about it. You know, even Elvis, even though he didn't, uh, you know, he made a lot of mistakes, but he was, <laughs> he was, uh, he was very, you know, he was a believer, Johnny Cash. And, you know, U2 has a lot of, a lot of themes. And, about like U2 and, and Dylan went through like their Christian phase, right? Yeah. Know, like, yeah, and how much is that like totally a part of them? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's but you know I think it, I think for you too it's 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 genuine and I think it's still definitely a part of Bono's life still, but yeah it's not it's not typical, for sure. Yeah, for for you when did it? Uh, if I can ask really personally, when did it stop being a tug of war, right between being Mormon and being rock star? When you yeah. say I can be both. I, I would say it was, you know, I start, you start to hear it in the lyrics in, uh, in our second record. I mean, you, you actually hear on the first record, you know, a, a famous become sort of infamous, you know, bridge and, and all these things that I've done. I see, I got soul, but I'm not a, a yeah. soldier. And people yeah. think it's gibberish, but that's a 20 year old kid saying, I recognize that I'm starting to go somewhere that I wasn't, that, that I was told not to. But I know that I'm. I still believe that I have goodness in me, and I'm. I'm kind of asking for help, you know. And so it started there, and then it really start. You really start hearing it on the second record, and that was transitional because I, you know, I got married in between, you know, the, towards the end of the first record, and and you're at that stage where it's, 
you know, you're going to go one of two directions. You're going to have a family and you're going to have that unit or you're going to choose the other side. And so it was, I was grappling with that a little bit in the lyrics on the second album. And then it was pretty easy to decide once my wife was pregnant with our first son. And that was when a more determined route was taken. I was definitely more, you know, I, I felt like I had more conviction and I knew where I wanted to go. Yeah. No, that's cool. And it, it's, it's great that you mentioned the, the second album. So I want to dive into some of the lyrics um, of, of some of your songs. And of course, you've got so many, we'll only be able to touch on some of them uh, tonight. But, but, but I want to play um, uh, the, the bridge from one of your most famous songs um, when you were young. And, mm -hmm. and, and it sort of talks about this, you know, we were talking about this tug of war, right? And, and I think yeah. one of the, at least for me, when I listen to your music, so much of it is this sort of tug of the world, tug of temptation, tug of, of all these kinds of things. So, um, so, so let me, uh, so I want to play that bridge, which I'm sure everybody's heard before, but just to, to, to remind, it, uh, remind us of it, so. They say the devil's water, it ain't so sweet. You don't have to drink right now, but you can dip your feet every once in a little while. All right, so, so this great line, rather right, the devil's water, I mean, you can dip your toe every once in a while. I mean, I, I think one of my favorite lyrics from, from Springsteen, who we mentioned earlier, is or one of this great song, It's Hard to Be a Saint in the City, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's hard. There's always this tug. There's always this pull. And, and I yeah. hear that in, in your lyrics. Maybe it's because you're from Vegas, you're from Sin City, right? But, but, but there's yeah. this, like the world's always tugging on you. Yeah, I, it's funny you mentioned it's hard to be a saint in the city because, again, that, that weird Bowie-Bruce combo in my life, I knew that song from first from Bowie covering it. So I thought it was just this great... David Bowie song. I didn't realize that, that Bruce wrote it until later on. Yeah. But yeah. I pictured when, you know, I was, you know, about 18, probably when I was driving around Vegas, listening to <laughs> it's hard to be a saint in the city. And, um, it is, you know, it depends. It's, it, it depends. And everybody's drawn to different things. I was drawn to it. Uh, I, there's a glow, you know, about the town that almost, um, you know, some people do, don't pay any attention to it, but I was always kind of drawn to it. But yeah, the line in, in When You Were Young, that kind of speaks to um, some voices of allowance, I think, that I was letting in. Um, you know, I was taught the word of wisdom, but I also... So say what that is for, for people who are listening who might not know what the word of wisdom so is. So the word of wisdom in the, in the LDS religion is kind of a, would you call it a law? Uh, a a guideline, a health, uh, you know, kind of a guideline for basically... Yeah, health code is a good way to put it. Um, and one of you know, obviously, drugs and and alcohol are and, and and tobacco are on that list. And so I was brought up, you know, that stuff wasn't really around. My dad converted to the religion when I was still young, five or six. So maybe the Budweiser came out of the house then. So it really wasn't around. Yeah. Um, but I was surrounded by these stories. Um, by people, you know, in my family that were, you know, they would tell me not to do it, but then they would, it, it was kind of a don't do it, but listen to this story of how fun it is. 
the good old days, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I knew at a very early age, I was going to see how fun that was. Um, I remember being a kid and, you know, I, you know, my grandma smoked and, and drank what she called fire water. So I remember like sneaking sips and, and smelling her cigarettes. They smelled so good. And I just couldn't wait to, you know, really get, you know, my hands on it for myself. So I think those kind of, it wasn't that that, I don't blame those people for telling me those stories, but that's just my, that's how it happened for me. Yeah. And so that's, again, that's me on when you were, I mean, yeah, on when you were young, just kind of confronting that kind of for the world to hear and, and, and trying to work it out. Yeah. Cause I was still very much in the middle of it at that point. Yeah. But the, I mean, so, so there's all this stuff and I, I, I really hear it in a lot of your lyrics, this, this tug and the temptation and all that kind of stuff. But then one of the consistent things I hear um, over and over throughout your music is that, that there's a hope for redemption, right? There's a mm -hmm. path out of that. You're, you're not stuck there. Yeah. That, um, that you can make a choice, right? That you've yeah. got free will and, and you can go down that path but there's another path open to you too. And, and you can do that. And there's, there's always redemption. Of course, that's one of the, the major themes of Christianity, but, but, but of other religions as well. And so I, I want to play another clip from, um, this is from a song from uh, your first solo album. Uh, and so this song is only the young, and I'm going to actually play a clip from the, uh, from the video, which is just gorgeous. Visually it's so stunning. Um, and I don't know how involved you were with the director in terms of coming up with the the, um, the visuals on this, but I'm, I just want to play one of the stanzas here, and then maybe you can think of it because I hear just a ton of redemption in this particular lyric. So, so what's um, so what's so what's going on uh, for you in that? I mean, it's so powerful. Mother, it's cold here. Father, thy will be done, which is a famous phrase. I mean, Jesus says yeah. that. Um, yeah. But then, you know, this run to and redemption keeps you know uh, keeps my covers clean tonight. So, what's going on in your head in that lyric? I think it's yeah, it's definitely. I give you know props to you two again for for their influence and their you know willingness to be vulnerable and to talk about things. And even even to to talk about songs like and describe them as prayers, mm. uh, things like you know reading about that or knowing about that and their history, you know, allowed me to be help be myself. And so I think that only the young is definitely I would describe it as a prayer. And you can really hear you know, we talk about becoming like a child, and and coming to, you know and you can kind of I feel like this is me being contrite and coming to my parents. Um, and acknowledging that I need, you know, guidance. Yeah. When, when you're thinking about parents, are you thinking about that, like, earthly parents? Or are you thinking about God? 
adopted uh, parents. Yeah, yeah, heaven, yeah, heavenly parents. Yeah, and um, I mean, it's just so powerful. So I mean, it, so when you say heavenly parents, I mean this this is one of the kind of distinctive things about uh, about Mormonism, this particular brand of of Christianity, and it reminds me of um, the, uh, the the cover of your newest album of Imploding yeah. Mirage. So. Which, which, by the way, so I mean, so folks, this this album, it's terrific. It's the um, it's the, your sixth number one album in the UK. I read somewhere, I don't know if this is right, but I've heard, I read that no no other band has ever done that, like six straight number one albums in the UK. Is is that true? Maybe no American band. I don't know. Maybe okay, all right, uh, but it's still, it's uh, that's that's pretty dang impressive. So so let me let me share my screen here to to show everybody the. Um, the album cover here. So here's the album cover of Imploding yeah. the Mirage. So this is, I mean, in some ways kind of, you know, this beautiful Western landscape, but then, I mean, immediately you're, you're drawn to, to this, uh, this, this couple like floating in the sky. So can you tell us a little bit about the, the cover art, the design here, the concept? Yeah, uh, so it's Thomas Blackshear is the artist. It's actually called uh, Dance of the Wind and Storm. I started to see the songs that we were writing and a couple of ideas and seeds that were starting to grow and they just fit within the context of the image and so we we actually printed it out before we got permission from Thomas and put it around <laughs> we put it around the studio and I mean it became a member of the band um, and saw I it helped me with lyrics it helped us with sonically uh, you know the producers and and it just became and it was just yeah it's just a, such a beautiful image. So what do you see? And so okay, so I'm going to tell you what I see, and then you can tell me what what you think. Yeah. So, and now this this is the Mormon coming out of me because in, in Mormonism, we believe not just in the kind of traditional Christian or Jewish God the Father or Heavenly Father, but there's this this notion that there's a Heavenly Mother too, that there's this divine couple, male and female together in in the heavens so like when i saw this i was like that's because there's not that much art or for as as awesome as this idea is of a divine feminine of a heavenly yep. mother mormons actually don't talk about it very much sometimes they're a little bit skittish about it but i saw this and i was like that's that's this beautiful image of heavenly mother heavenly father um <laughs> And it's on the Killers album, right? I mean, <laughs> you see that? Does it evoke that for for you at all? I mean, it certainly does for me. Yeah, I have two. I some days I look at it and um and I and I see Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, and then and uh, other days I look at it and I see the potential for me and my wife. Yeah. And that was and that was where you know a lot of a lot of content on the record you know sprouted from. Yeah, but you got to get working on your beard if you're gonna if you're gonna look like that. <laughs> yeah, right? and my hair. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's just it's just so stunning um and and so when, when i listen to this album um i hear so much of this theme i mean you, you're talking about your relationship with your wife you see yourself in that that, 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 that you seem to be channeling that in mm -hmm. in the lyrics here and i hear um over and over in so many of these songs this theme of like reconnection, of, of reunion, of, of, of people coming together, maybe who are estranged or who are apart or who are lost and, and then and then coming back together. And you know, certainly there's a kind of romantic element to that, right? I mean, two, two lovers or two, two spouses. Yep. 
But I, I, I mean, I think there's a lot here, again, for me, as, as both as a religious person, but as a, as a religious studies professor, you know, that, that oftentimes in, you know, mystics or poets or sacred texts, they use the love of between spouses or the love between people as, as a metaphor to talk about the relationship between God and, and humans, right, or between a person and God. I, I think about for, so for a lot of Jews, every morning they recite this prayer uh, from the book of Hosea uh, in, in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible that says, I will, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will know the Lord, right? So this, this imagery of, of, of the wedding, of, of, the, of, of coming together. So when you're writing these songs, are you, is it both kind of man and wife and but but also humanity and 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 divinity. Yeah, I think we, we wrote it in um, 2019, and it was kind of a companion piece to the the record that preceded it. Um, called, it was called Wonderful, Wonderful. That was an album where I I, I I detailed or you know some more personal material than I had ever I guess done before, and so it was it was sort of tackling the darker side of some trauma that my wife had experienced when she was a a, a young girl. In 2019, we were studying as a church and as a family um, the New Testament. And there was all of this, you know, I think a, a major theme is being reconciled to God. And and so I started to, it wasn't, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going all over the place, but it was, it wasn't until my wife, till we could diagnose you know what 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 was happening with her which is she has a complex form of PTSD that we were able to move forward and th and there there was sort of a, a distance that had grown between us and we needed to be reconciled and and I saw the correlation between that and 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 for us becoming those two people um on the cover of the album and 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 how it was all sort of intertwined because you know as, as our family unit and 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 us getting to to this place and so the, the the lyrics started to form i guess you know you are what you eat and so you know we I, it was every day it was it was new testament every day and and so that kind of um some of those stories started creeping their way into the songs for sure that's beautiful so this idea and and, and this is a very mormon idea that that not only salvation, but, but but we use this term exaltation, right? That it's 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 not just about your relationship with the God, but you do that in relationship with other humans, with, with your wife, with your family, with other people. Yeah. It's not separate. Uh, it's That's it's right. all together. I mean, so so it's interesting that you, that you talk about the, the the New Testament and reading it because I mean I I hear that so powerfully in a lot of these lyrics and 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 what I hear you doing here because look I mean I know that you're getting up and, and you're singing to to millions of people around the world who most of whom aren't going to be Mormon a lot of whom aren't Christian a lot of whom aren't even religious right and so so you're um you're finding ways to communicate these things these things that are really meaningful to you that come out of you Right, yeah. but, but finding a way to, to to put them in a way that's that's meaningful to people, regardless of, of their experience. And so, um, so so I want to um, I want to play just um, the, the the last part, the last couple stanzas of, of just one of the songs off the new album, Fire and Bone. Yeah, um, and which I think is I hear a lot of New Testament. Listen, no one's gonna save it. You gotta make it 
can you talk about that a little bit? So many. Great <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know if it's just a father, son, you know, if it's a father son thing. I hope that women can can be as attached to the prodigal son parable as we can. But it's so beautiful. It's just it it just transcends. We 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 did it with um we did this record with with two producers, uh, Sean Everett and Jonathan Rado. And Sean was asking about this, this lyric in particular, what I was going on about. And he's not particularly um, religious, but he's really sensitive and just the nicest guy. And I told him about this, the prodigal son parable. I'd never heard this story before. Never heard it. And I didn't, I didn't get out the Bible or anything or my, I just explained it to him. And when you get to that point of the son returning and the father seeing him and running out to meet him in the road and falling on his neck, he, he was crying when I told him this story and, and I was just relaying it in a, you know, in a, just off the top of my head. And it, it's just so, it just, it just touches your heart. And, um, and I think we all see ourselves in the prodigal son. Some, you know, we we're, we're all beggars at some point. And so I just, it's, it's just such a beautiful image. And so yeah, when I got that into the song and I haven't heard that song in a while, but yeah, even just hearing it back, it just makes me feel emotional. Yeah, because every like you said, everybody doesn't matter if you're Christian, doesn't matter if you're Mormon, doesn't matter if you're religious, right? We all we all feel this kind of estrangement from each other, right? Uh, this alienation. We've all done crappy things to other people, yeah. right? We've all walked away yeah. from the people we've loved at some point, and that story is just like it's, I mean, it, it's it's the personification of grace, right? Yeah, uh, uh, and uh, just the, the the father's reaction. So. it's so it's yeah it's the best <laughs> um well and that you can channel that in such a great song so i mean when when you're when you're doing this when you're writing lyrics when you're reading the new testament at home then you're going in and writing lyrics and and, and so forth how much of this for you is is conscious right sort of channeling these kinds of things and then figuring out a way to translate it like i said in, into a language that's accessible yeah. to, to anybody is it a conscious or is, is that just is that just part of your creative process? What is it? And, and is it for you? Is it like, oh, is, is that lyric too Mormon or not? Sometimes it's very, this, in this sense, it was deliberate because I wanted to be, be, be because it was such a, a concept for this record of, you know, can two become one? And can me and my wife be those, you know, these, these divine beings on the cover? Everything had to fit. And for me to become the man on the cover, I had to be reconciled to God. That was kind of my my thoughts on that. So that was why it was important for Fire and Bone to make the list. But, but for the most part, the other songs have, are about me and my wife together or just her. Yeah. It was strange to do. You know, it was strange to do. It's strange to even say now when I say it because it's a killer's record and you're trying to be, uh, you know, trying to represent everybody in the band. But, but I don't know. I could only be vague for so long. It was, it, this was something that I wanted, you know, felt strongly about and, and everybody seemed to be on board and 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 they and, you know they still have to get their fingerprints on the songs uh, musically and there's some really great moments by the band on that on this record yeah okay i want to ask one more about one more song then we'll and and, and then one more question and then we'll wrap up and let the audience here ask some questions so maybe my favorite song on the album is is the first one my own soul's warning i think it's yeah. such a great song um, so I want to play the, the opening to, to this, then I'll tell you, like, they're two of my favorite lines uh, that okay. written that I'd, I'd love to, to hear you, you uh, talk about them here. I tried going against my own soul's warning 
So, so what's what's going on in your head as you're writing those lyrics? Uh, <laughs> uh, if this is a, another this is this is a particular you know this is kind of full circle from from when you were young, me acknowledging that I'm doing some things that I that I maybe shouldn't be doing, and this is almost that that feeling of um, this is me confronting that and, and realizing that I've kind of turned the leaf over and the sun is out and um and that's all that redemption and all and all those and forgiveness i i go you know the i, I thought about this quote from richard bushman the gospel is at its best when people have sinned that's when atonement and forgiveness really count and so you know we focus there's been a problem you know with our mormon culture about being perfect and i think that being able to acknowledge when we've made mistakes and that and that we know where to turn to for forgiveness um, is the best thing. You know, it's been it's been like one of the best things in my life for sure. And so I'm de definitely starting to address it there. And what if it knew you by your name? You know, we're, we're taught that we are, you know, the heavens are open and that Heavenly Father knows us and loves us. Um, the first word of the restoration that was spoken by God was Joseph. And he, and he, he, you know, that's so cool. The implications of that are so beautiful that he knows us. And, and, and I love the fact that he knows me and that he knows my sons and my wife and my family and and it's something that you know we talk about i sort of have chills i mean because i mean it's it's about this um uh just like breaking the the veil between heaven and earth right yeah the that god knows who you are god god knows your name and then i i just love the line i, I just wanted to get back to where you are right yeah um, i mean that's that's kind of like that's all I hope for. I mean, I, I want to be with my family. I want to be with my friends. I want to be with my God. Right. I mean, just, just to get back. Right. Yeah. That's uh, it. <laughs> and, uh, okay. Last, last question for you. So I, I want to um, uh, embarrass you a, a, a little bit. We, we went to lunch a few weeks ago and, and, and some people came up and, and asked for your autograph. And, and I know this probably happens to you all the time, but, I, but I was, I was struck as I just overheard what, what they told you. It wasn't like, kneeling down, Brandon Flowers, you're a rock god, right? You know, what they said uh, to a person is they said something like, thank you, your music has um, has really helped me. Your music has meant a lot to me in my life. And I was so struck by that, 
that the, that the music, that your craft, that your art, what you're putting out into the world, it's it's helping people, right? And and I I think it's because I mean there's just uh, I mean who know I don't know anything about these people I don't know what 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 that what they meant by that, but there's such a positivity about your your music. Um, again, not that you're naive to to what the world is all about, right? The suffering and um, the pain of of this world like you talk like you said you talked yeah. about it with your wife on on the previous album right yeah. all that she's been through but but at the end of the day there is this path there's this hope for redemption and and so i i just hear so much positivity so for for you i mean it that's got to be conscious right or, or maybe that's just who you are right i mean <laughs> where where does that optimism that hope that yeah. love where does that come from yeah, I mean, I think it's, I inherited it, for, you know, from my mother was very optimistic, even when, she, you know, she should, she, even when it wasn't looking great. Um, I, I think um, it's it's very Mormon. You know, I feel like it's part of our, you know, pioneer spirit, put your shoulder to the wheel, push along, do your duty with a heart full of song yeah. um, and that, all of that. And so it's, it, but it's, and it's something that I'm conscious, that I'm, you know, I'm definitely conscious of it. And I never, I always, I like the idea that there's a way out and and I, I rarely will have a song if ever that that that's that's only complaining or that's you know that's that doesn't have a silver line I guess and that, and that's just I guess that's just me that's just part of who I am yeah not that I'm so great I just it's just my it's just how I like things <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I think it's great so so okay uh, do you have time for a few of these questions from from the audience Sure. So, sure. Okay. How do you we, feel? These right things? now we have 90 of them and counting. We're not going to get to all of them. Okay. <laughs> but, okay. but let me, I'm, I'm just going to to read a, a few of these. I don't know if you've looked at any of them and you can choose any, but let me just pick out a few. And, and again, folks, sorry, I'm not going to get to everybody's questions oh. we'll get as many as we can. But Andrew uh, Manus, I'm, I'm not sure how he says his last name. He says, how accepting are your bandmates of your sometimes Christian infused uh, lyrics? Um, what What is that? What is that relationship like? Because like I said, you're speaking for the whole band. You're not just speaking for yourself. Yeah, it's it really hasn't been an, an, a, much of an issue. Um, Mark, our bass player, grew up in Vegas. There's a lot of Mormons in Vegas. So he grew up with a lot of them. And our, our drummer at one point was married to a, a Mormon woman. So they're very familiar with it all. And nobody's ever said, hey, can you tone it down <laughs> or anything <laughs> like that? They've been pretty accepting of it. Okay. Uh, so Layla asks, I think this is a great question. Have you ever thought of channeling your inner Elvis and letting out a spiritual album? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wish I had the, his voice. Yeah, it's tough. That's a tough route to go when, when you've had so many great um, gospel albums made. But, you know, you never know. So one uh, anonymous person asks, you know, the mention of Heavenly Parents, they, they thought of the song Lightning Fields. Um, yeah. Maybe I don't know if you want to talk about that song, and, and specifically they're asking, how did you decide that you wanted KD Lang to sing the lyrics for for the mother voice in that song? Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, it's a. I try to make it quick, but um, there was a Thanksgiving, and there my, my I I missed it, but I I wish I would have been there for it. But they were playing some kind of a a game. My family was playing a game, and it was cards with questions. And when a question came to my dad, what what moment would you like to relive again and he said falling in love with your mom and so it was just like this you know he doesn't say much so when he says something like that it, it has a lot of weight to it 
And so I, my mom passed away. And so I, I, you know, it's just instantly had this vision of him, you know, seeing her again and with his, you know, replaced knee and, and just wanting to get as fast as he could back to my mom and, and be, you know, I used these lightning fields as an analogy for that, for that moment again. And it's, and, and it would just, I already had, you know, I just, it's just one of those songs that just kind of flew right out of me. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so Michael Schetzel asked, um, so, you know, so there's a bunch of bands that in, in the past few years that have come out that have been Latter-day Saint or came at, come out of Latter-day Saint backgrounds like Imagine Dragons, Neon Trees. So he's wondering, you know, how much interaction you have with them. And then also what advice you'd have to any member of the, the church you know, whether they be Mormons or maybe just any religious person looking to have a career in rock music. Yeah. So uh, the bass player of Imagine Dragons is from Las Vegas and he grew up playing with uh, our drummer. And we, we did a few shows with them early on. Neon Trees. I see Neon Trees. Neon yeah. Trees. We don't have a ton of our, our, our manager's brother is the singer of uh, Imagine Dragons, Dan Reynolds. So we're 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 like we're sort of in this, you know, in a circle, but we don't really kind of steer clear of each other, I think, maybe just to, I don't know, so that we don't have too much association or affiliation with, with it all. You have your own orbits. Yeah. What advice would you give somebody who, who's, who's a member of our church or, or any oh, yeah. religion who, who is also interested in rock and roll? I mean, it's a tough, it's a, you know, I think, you know, obviously the, it can be done. Once I, you know, committed to what path I was going to take, it made it a lot easier than when I was wishy-washy. And so I think that's something there's something to be said for that. And again, like going back to questioning, you you know, just because you're not just, you, you know, I felt squeaky clean when I looked at Joe Strummer or, you know, <laughs> it's and, all relative, right? <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't mean that I can't, you know, that I can't write something profound or, or do something great. Okay. Somebody's asking about uh, your, your lyric uh, from one of your uh, famous songs. Are we human or are we dancer? Yeah. What's the uh, question? What, what, what does that mean? Oh man, I I always say I I explain it in, in the one of my some of my proudest lyrics are on the verses of that song and but yeah it came from um, Hunter S I was I was watching old interviews with Hunter S Thompson and he he was expressing his concern that America was raising a, a generation of dancers and I I kind of just ran with that yeah but yeah I've got a friend who does like a really strong religious reading of that but 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 you're you're actually talking about dancers. <laughs> oh no i mean he, he was mad about disco you know uh -huh. and and whatever was happening with yeah but yeah i i think my the verses are very i i really am i, I don't know i would say just look into the verses yeah so taylor ashcraft asks um do you have a favorite hymn within the church sure i mean i have you know there's there i i, I love a lot of a lot of hymns I think I, I need the every hour is is one is a favorite of mine. There's a green hill far away. I love um, air you left your room this morning. Yeah. Did you think to pray? Yeah. yeah. So Daniel um, uh, via Mizar, sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, Daniel, he says, uh, did you ever feel pressure from the music industry to abandon or hide your religion for the sake of your career? And how how do you handle such a conflict? No, I mean, I had I had a couple executives over the, you know, maybe one in particular that I've talked about that, you know, didn't come right out and say it, but suggest, you know, w suggested that I be a star, not only on the stage, but off the stage. And his examples of people that did that were sort of in the news 
for doing, you know, salacious things. <laughs> and um, I knew that I wasn't going to do that. But it's, it hasn't been, you know, I, I feel really lucky, though, you know, that I have I've been able to to be myself and and still carve out, you know, our own little place in, in everything, because there's just so much noise and so many bands and um, competing. And, and we were just really lucky to have a, a voice in it. Here's a um, question from Haley Christensen. Christensen. Uh, she asks, how did you get your testimony of the Book of Mormon? You know, so in other words, what, what does the Book of Mormon mean to, mean to you, this distinctive scripture for, for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you don't, some people are converted over and over again. And I've had that experience in my life where I've been, you know, really, really have a lot of conviction and then you, and then fade away a little bit and then it comes back strong and it goes away. And, um, but this last year, you know, 2020, uh, again, going back to Come Follow Me lessons was just a beautiful, a beautiful thing, reading it with, with my family. And we were able to, I guess, because of COVID, it was, you know, there's no excuse to not complete, uh, complete the thing. And we did it as a family and it strengthened my testimony in it, reading it with, with, with my kids and the, and the moments that we shared, uh, at just at the dinner table, we, we, we read it. And, um, there were so many, so many times that, you know, we, we felt, uh, you know, the spirit bearing witness of the truthfulness of what we were reading. And, and, uh, and it was, you know, it strengthened my testimony in it. And I'm sure that more things like that will happen yeah. the more I read it. That's great. Thanks. Lots of people asking, uh, can you give us any hints about the, the new album? Uh, uh, is it going to have religious themes in it? Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, every, every, every album's got its own, got its own identity. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just by way of, you know, of me being the mouthpiece, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be things. Okay. You okay for a couple more and then we'll, we'll let you go. Sure. Okay. So one for, from uh, Quint Randall, he's actually a professor at Brigham Young University has uh, studied your, your music a lot and actually given some academic presentations about it, which is pretty cool. All right. He asks, um, what song has changed meaning for you the most over the over the years? Like it, it meant one thing 15 years ago, but the more you listen to it and perform it, it, it yeah. takes on a new meaning o over time. I think I hate to go back to it again, but we just did Song Exploder uh, for, for when you were young. And that's, that's on Netflix. It's a really cool half hour special, like breaks down how, how the song was written. And yeah. And so I think sort of watching it, that song has almost come to fruition and what I was, you know, almost hoping for and, and, and thinking about when I was writing that song, I was so young, when I, but I was aware that I needed, that I needed something. And, and, and so, so now when I sing it, it's just got, uh, you know, it's like I said, it's almost like it's, it's come to pass what I was hoping for. And so that's interesting to watch that happen with, with one of your own songs. <laughs> Can you talk about from that Netflix special? You talked a little bit about it. The such powerful imagery there of Jesus, right? Doesn't look a thing like Jesus, right? Yeah. You had some really interesting things to say there about, like, I mean, that, that sometimes Jesus shows up not in ways that that we would expect, right? Right. It's not all. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think it's just. It's not always just this bearded guy in a robe. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's his. You know, it's his doctrine. And help can come in in so many different different ways, and the more that you're open to it, you know, we're taught that you know everything that is good basically comes, um, and that light uh, is coming 
from him. And so it's a, it, when, you're, when you're open to that and you open yourself up to that, it changes your perspective, I think. And, and, you're, and, and, you actually, and, and you can be more cognizant of it when it's happening or you know, more, your eyes can be more open to it uh, when it's affecting your life. That's great. A lot of people are asking about the song on the new album, My God. Um, right. I didn't play anything from that, but obviously a religious reference there. Um, but can you, a lot of people are asking about that song, what it, what it means to you. It's a celebration of my wife overcome, you know, overcoming her, her trials. It was, it, it, you know, I sing about the weight being lifted. It, 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 it was just, uh, and it feels like it. That song just has this, an elevated, an elevated light, you know, light feeling to it. It's something that I really look forward to to playing live one day. But yeah, that was basically the gist of it. Yeah, and hopefully you guys can get on the road sooner rather than later, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, okay, I wanna, let's just end with a couple here because we're, we're a little over an hour here. I know we started a little bit late. So do you have any particular songs, maybe that we've talked about today, but, but maybe that we haven't, that mean a lot to you on a religious or spiritual level that you really felt like you poured something into that, that you keep coming back to that, that, that really reveals something about your spirituality? Um, I think, I mean, we, 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 we touched on some of that today. Yeah. You know, I think my own soul's warning kind of dealing with guilt. Um, and you know, there's so many people that say, Oh, I have this Mormon guilt or I have Jewish guilt or I have Catholic guilt or I have, and, and, and seeing it as this negative thing that, that, you know, or this almost like a traumatic thing that they inherited from their parents taking them to church or whatever it is. And when I started to look at it as more of a warning against, you know, more serious sin is when I started to appreciate, almost appreciate it as a, po you know, as a, and, and see it, that it was, all, it, what if it was a, a gift <laughs> as opposed to this, this cross you know what I mean? And so I thought, I was, so I'm really proud of my own soul's warning uh, for, for go, going into that territory and trying to put to words or to music, you know, or that, that feeling um, of almost um, appreciation that I have for that. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, last, last question again. I, uh, sorry, folks, that we weren't able to get to all your questions. So, so many great ones here. I want to ask because you've mentioned it here, and I think so many people struggle with with various forms of sort of uh, mental illness or emotional issues. You talked about your wife's, you know, this complex PTSD uh, and so forth. Um, and, and a few people have asked about this, uh, about the, the role that spirituality, religion, your relationship to God, your wife's relationship to God. How is it? I, 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 I don't know. And I, I don't want to pry. I mean, maybe she also got, you know, professional counseling and, and other kinds of things yeah. to help her through that. But, but what, what, what role has spirituality and religion played in, in getting through the, some of those really tough things that so many people experience? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely helpful there. I mean, there, there was, you know, there were dark times, um, you know, we're really lucky that we were able to find, professional help. And like I said, I think once we were able to even just give it a name, it was, it was incredible what, how, how much help that was. But I think part of our, like, like we talked about part of our, you know, what we believe is, is doing this together and, and growing. And I think that helped me be more supportive and, you know, plant, we're good at planting flags in the future, you know, 
And I think that that's something that that's really powerful about what we believe. And and whether it's um, future while we're alive or not, um, but 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 it, there was there was an optimism I think that I again that I inherited from from our beliefs, and and that m made me be better be a better husband while it was happening. And she's you know a very very faithful. And that's been a real, she's the, you know, her, she converted not because she wanted to marry a Mormon. She converted while I wasn't going to church. She, and so her conversion helped reconvert me, uh, you know, so it was kind of the other way around. Well, and, and I mean, you, you've mentioned this, and, and I kind of want to close with this, that one of the messages I heard over and over and over growing up in the church is that whatever kind of success you have in the world, right? No, no matter what you do, it, it pales in comparison. It doesn't matter if you're a failure at home, right? The, 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 the things you do as a husband and a father are so much more important than anything you do outside. And, and I, I, I mean, when, when we've talked before, I mean, the, the way you talk about your kids, the way you talk about your wife, I mean, that, that is genuine love and affection and I, I can tell that comes from a really deep place for, for you. Yeah, I, uh, thank you. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge part of my life. And I had a great, you know, I'm I had so lucky I had parents that, uh, that stayed together and loved each other. Um, and so that was a, already, you know, a, a great foundation. And then there are, you know, re responsibilities that come with, with being a, a part of the church, but it, it Again, I, I see I, I what they've done and how they bring me and our unit, uh, family unit together. Um, I just I, I you can't you can't put a price tag on it. And um, and as much success as we've had, and as much as I love being on stage, um, you know the the small moments that I have at home with my family just you know kind of eclipse those things. And and so I was, I'm just really lucky that I get to do do all of this. Yeah. Well, Brandon, I'm, I'm just so grateful for you for take, taking the time. I mean, I know you're on, on the stage in front of hundreds of thousands of people and you took this opportunity to, to be with us here on, on this podcast and so many people here in the chat and in Q&A just expressing appreciation. And so, so, so just thank you for that. Thanks yeah, for thank you. Tonight. So thanks, thanks to Brandon for his, and to his whole team for, for helping put this together. Uh, I want to thank the, the staff of the College of Humanities and Social Sciences here at Utah State University that, that, that made this possible. Be sure to join us for our next couple of episodes. Uh, so on February 16th, I'll be talking with Professor Colleen McDaniel from the University of Utah about her book, Sister Saints, Mormon Women Since the End of Polygamy. Uh, it's a great book and great topic. And then on March 16th, a month later, I'll be joined by Fiona Givens, Rachel Hunt Steenbluck, and Bethany Brady Spaulding to talk about the Mormon concept of the Heavenly Mother, uh, which, yeah. which Brandon and I talked about tonight. So that, that'll be great. So again, uh, thank you, Brandon. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to joining us uh, for another episode of The Foyer. Thanks, everybody.